You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Big announcement on this show. More details coming up a little bit later on. We are going to be live at the Red Palm in Evergreen Park Thursday, May 9th. A live recording of Socks in the Basement. You and your friends, come on out. Be part of the show. Let's talk White Sox. 3020 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois on the south side. Thursday, May 9th. We're going to talk about a little bit more later on in the program. Maybe after we talk to a big White Sox prospect that you may not have heard of unless you've listened to this show. That is on the way. And my guy Dave, back at the 9-foot homemade oak bar. I'm glad you're back. Hello. Because uh, I miss you when you're not here. And I do. Like, I did the whole show by myself last week. And, you know, I could do it. It's not something I like to do. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, mean I, you, don't, you mean you don't like to talk constantly? Really? Yeah, exactly. I was able to fill a half hour with no problem. Just a just stream of consciousness. I was able to do it. And I had a few people who wrote some nice things and said, hey, it was pretty cool how you were able to pull that off by yourself. I appreciate it. But I think we all enjoy when Dave gets angry and yells and shouts. And- I did have a couple of, uh, just a couple of comments um, Good. Get about your last comments week's in show. Because I, okay, you're okay. going to give some comments on what I said last week. Yes, real quick, real and quick. And I want to do a real quick recap of what happened this week that I think ties in nicely, hopefully, with what you said. Go ahead. So, the Forbes article. The fifth most profitable franchise in baseball? No way. I don't buy it. I don't buy it for a second. Not based off of the ticket sales, based off of the attendance, and based off of what they're charging. Dude, you can go to a baseball game at the at, at, at whatever the hell they're calling it now. You know, guaranteed fail field. You can go to a baseball game for five bucks. Okay, but listen. Okay, so, so it's not ticket exp- prices. Ex- ticket prices aren't the reason. So, so please explain the Forbes article as to how this epitome of a failure of a baseball organization is fifth most profitable. The reason is because if you're not spending a lot of money and you're still making good profit and you have profit sharing in Major League Baseball where they get a certain amount of money based upon how all the other teams do as well. I mean, stuff gets moved around for them and they make money on merchandise. I mean, look, the White Sox make money. I went to, I've said this before, I was in Sydney, Australia. There are White Sox hats everywhere. I don't know why. I don't know why Maybe the White Sox should start sending residual checks to, to Dr. Dre. You don't spend a lot of money. You're still bringing in money. You don't know how investments are done with the team. You, They have all kinds of other side projects. You know, they run these baseball camps. They, they don't do those for free. The organization as a whole makes money in a major market. That's the only... That's the only amazing. Look, they make money. Now. Now, real quick. My other comment goes to the um, article, which I did not read about how... You're going to comment on something you did not read. No, but based off of what your comments okay. on it. Uh, about how the Sox have lost, what was the number, like 300? They estimated in terms of player value about $350 million. $350 million loss. loss. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I mean, one would think that because the only thing Reinsdorf cares about is money, one would think that Reinsdorf would see something like that and actually be like, wow, wait a minute. Maybe the people underneath me don't know what the hell they're doing and I need to make some changes. But... Here's the thing. You've brought this up a number of times. He's got people that know under him that don't know what they're doing, and they know how to lie to him about about how something when something like that comes out for, exist, for example, 
They know how to lie to Reinsdorf and say, oh, well, you do, boss, man, you don't need to pay attention to this. This is just some whack job. This is just some, they're just trying to make us look bad. Everything's fine, boss, man. Please don't fire me. Okay, let's see if I can bring what I had here around and what you're saying, because I think there's something internally happening within the White Sox organization over the last couple of weeks, if you're reading between the lines. Okay, There is it. something happening. Okay. First off, I want to say, two weeks ago, Sox in the basement came out strongly, strongly, about why is Daniel Polka on the team and why isn't Ryan Cordell up here and you wasted him when he was up here because you didn't give him an opportunity. Not only should he be elevated, but not just elevated and put on the bench, he should be playing every day. Within 24 hours, the White Sox enacted that plan. It seems to have done very well. Yeah, they put Polka in the I'm not saying they're listening to us and making their decisions based upon this podcast, but we were very vocal about that. Last week, I made it a point to talk about statistically why Jose Rondon should be playing every day and James McCann should be playing every day. And this idea of a split with McCann and Castillo makes no sense. And why you already know what you got with Yomer, and we've already talked about this before, and why Rondon should be in the lineup. I'm going to bring up my app. I have here the White Sox lineups since April the 20th. Before April the 24th, when that episode came out. Okay. Yomer Sanchez is starting regularly and Wellington Castillo is splitting time. In fact, Sanchez starts at least all those games, yeah. the three, four games Cast- before we get to that Castillo show. Castillo got the majority of the starts, if I remember. Yes. Now, all of a sudden, starting on the 24th, the day that we talk about that and the fact that we have been suggesting strongly, and you could take credit for this, that Irvin Santana got nothing. Got nothing. How many games did I say he was going to last before he got before before Is he it, disappeared? You, you predict his arm was going to fall off. Okay. Well, okay, but maybe it did. And but we were, who knows? But the point of it, the point of it is, <laughs> your major free agent acquisition of this offseason, DFA. Okay. Not even a month into the no, no, season. Now he's a free agent because he took free agency. Okay. From the moment that we said that, James McCann, that day, that day, Dave, that afternoon after we talk about it, was the first day he was put in the four hole and made the starting catcher. He has been starting in virtually every game since then. Oh, and Rondon, about- Rondon has been starting at second base. On the 24th, the both of them are in those positions, okay? On the 25th, McCann remains in the four hole, and Rondon moves up to the sixth by the lineup, still starting at second base. In fact, the only time since the show came out last Wednesday when we talked about this, that Yomer Sanchez has seen the field has been because since Aloy got injured, which is really the worst thing that could have happened this entire month. Who cares right, about wins and right, losses? Yes. Who cares about wins and losses? This guy's got to be playing. And it was stupid how he hurt himself because that ball was six rows back that he jumped against the wall for. Yeah. Okay. But but the thing is, ever since then, the only time Yomer's getting in the game is when Ricky tries out Rondone in the outfield so he doesn't have to play Adam Ingle. So in reality, Sanchez replaced Ingle in the lineup that week, that day. See what I'm saying? Yeah. That day, Sanchez replaces Ingle, and, and they do a little switch around and stuff like that. But Rondon has been the starter for a week now. And, now and McCann has been the starter for a week now. And McCann is tearing the cover off the ball. Rondon is giving you more than what Sanchez did. He did not have a great last seven days. He's only got a 600 OPS, and he's hitting about 200. But... He's still giving you more than what Yomer Sanchez was and giving you, talk- and for the season, giving you much more than what Yomer Sanchez. And can we was talk about? You. And can we talk about the Ryan Cordell thing? Because Ryan Cordell, the first day that, like, the day that that happened, he comes up. It was the Detroit game, I think it was. 
He comes up, he hits a home run, he goes something like three for four with right. five RBIs. I right. don't know what the stats were, but he was he had an amazing game that day. Right. Now, here's the thing. Let's loop it back to what you started off with. There was something extremely interesting that Rick Hahn said this week, and we're going to get to the thing that he said that drove me nuts in a little bit. But there was something extremely interesting that came out, and you had to be really paying attention to White Sox Twitter because the beat reporters are doing their thing where they're talking before the game, and they're all tweeting different things, you know, Merkins like this, and, you know, you got uh, Fegan doing this, and they're, they're, all just, they're all just tweeting out their stuff because they're talking. And in the middle of it, there was a little blurb that said that Rick Hahn had said to these guys while they were, he's standing around, there had been internal discussions going on on the team right now as to whether or not it makes more sense to have some of these prospects take a less traditional path to the major leagues and let them come up and take their lumps right now in the majors instead of these long paths. I think that what the Sox are realizing is the same thing that we've been yelling about. You have too much fat on this team that needs to be trimmed off. We've had countless guests come on. You and I have talked about it. There's fat on the team. So if there's an internal discussion, let me tell you what I think the internal <laughs> we're not, discussion we're is. We're not talking about Wellington Castillo's no. actual fat. We're well, talking his actual about fat like, and his fat on the lineup because he shouldn't on be lineup. on the lineup. Yes, he's, exactly. only on the, he's only playing because of all the money they're paying him this year. Right, of course. Okay. If there's an internal discussion, this is what my breakdown of what actually is going on on the White Sox in the front office right now. If Rick Hahn is bringing up that there is discussions right now about whether or not we're doing this wrong, because that's essentially what he's saying. Maybe we need to bring in some of these young kids. Maybe we need to bring them up and have get their lumps. Rick Hahn would not be bringing that up if he were against that. See what I'm saying? Of course. You don't stand in front of a bunch of guys in the press and bring something up like that if that's the opposite of your view. So Rick Hahn has the view that we should do this. He is at least leaning in that direction and discussing it. Right, because what are so your, who, what are your other who options? is capable of stopping Rick Hahn from doing something he wants oh, to do? Oh, that would be Kenny. Okay. That would be Jerry. This is just a logical thing. I'm not, I'm not saying this because I want to spend a half hour yelling about Kenny Williams. But if Rick Hahn is in the press telling you that there are discussions going on within the team that we think that maybe we're taking too long with some of these guys and maybe we should bring them up and have them play, he doesn't bring that up if he's against it. And there's only one guy, if they're against it, that can stop Rick Hahn from doing it. I think right now the White Sox are at a crossroads, and I think that the traditional members within the organization, whether they be scouts or player development people or things like that, who are all bad at their job, as evidenced by the article, have shown that we're over about. years and years that they're not very good at understanding when it's time to bring a guy up and how to cultivate that player. And then there have to be people that are in Han's camp because Han would not have picked that. He doesn't say that. If he's against it, no, you don't come on. You don't go in front of a bunch of people. You don't go. If you work in an office building, you don't walk in. Like I was a supervisor in a couple different places that I worked in. You're, you're a boss. You own a company. Okay. You don't tell the people that are around you or people within the building or customers about something that is going on within the company that you don't agree with. You don't say, Hey, these people have this great idea. If you don't agree with the great idea, you don't bring up the great idea at all. Because you're against the idea. You see what I'm saying? So I think Han is open to and openly trying to convince others or decide which guys he wants to do it with. But guys have to be moved around. And he wants to see this young talent come up. And he wants to start playing them whether or not that was originally what the plan is. Because think about it, Dave. If your ownership has demonstrated to you after a long offseason that there is a limit to how far they will open up their wallet. 
in free agency. And you now understand that free agency is not going to even that the be market a thing has anymore. Cha- that the market has changed like we've talked about. And finding out who these guys are and locking them up while you while you can into these longer term contracts that eat up their arbitration the first few years of free agency seems to be the thing that a lot of people are doing. I mean, what they did with Jimenez is the same thing that a lot of other teams have done with their young talent over the last couple of years, especially in the last couple of months. So if you see that as a general manager, the next logical step is to say, I want to see what I got. Some of these guys in single A need to be in triple A. Some of these guys in triple A and double A need to be in the majors. And some of these other guys on my 40-man roster that we've already gotten a look at need to be DFA and we need to let them go. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Joining us on the phone line right now on Socks in the Basement, he's one of the guys that his name continually comes up over the last couple of months. Whenever I ask the question, who's a guy down in the minor leagues that we don't hear enough about that could eventually be a part of the White Sox regular rotation? Jimmy Lambert is on the phone from Birmingham A, the Barons out there. How are you, Jimmy? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great, man. I really appreciate you giving me a call. I know that you guys just finished up a road trip. You got a day off. I, you know, when I was when I was 24 years old and I was living away from home, if I was on a day off, nobody was going to find me. <laughs> yeah, uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. Definitely. You got big news today. You get Lewis Robert coming to your team. Did you hear about that yet? Yeah, yeah. We, yeah that's uh, definitely been the buzz around the team all day today. Have you played with him before? Have you ended up on the same team with him at some point during your journey? It's kind of hard to keep track of where you guys are. Yeah, so when he um, first got to Winston last year, I want to say I played with him for maybe a week, um, and then I came to Birmingham. But, I mean, in that week alone, I saw, I mean, basically – uh, you know, he's just, you, you just watch him shag BP and it's pretty incredible. I mean, the guy is just one of the best athletes I've ever seen on a baseball field. That's exciting for a White Sox fan to hear because I think a lot of us, uh, we want him here as quickly as possible. We've heard a lot of great things about him. But I, I want to tell you this, and this is the honest truth. I've asked this question to a couple different guys that cover the minor leagues, and this is what I've asked them. I said, if I name off the five White Sox presumed starters in the rotation, your Carlos Rodon, Reynaldo Lopez, and Lucas Giolito that are already up here. Your Michael Kopech, who's injured but is expected to come back and be a big part of the rotation. And, of course, Dylan Cease, whoever he's talking about, is going to be a part of the rotation. You know, five-man rotation, that's five spots. I said, who's the guy that's going to sneak in there and take one of those spots in the near future? Your name comes up consistently with guys that are covering the White Sox in the minor leagues. Are you surprised by that? Um, I mean, definitely honored, but uh, I, I wouldn't say I'm surprised. I mean, um, you know, those guys are a lot of my good friends, actually, and, you know, it's, that's the goal is to be, you know, a part of a part of the rotation. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're the number one or number five, whatever. You know, the goal is to have five good ones. And, yeah, no, that doesn't surprise me. It, it, uh, it's, what, it's kind of, you know, been my goal, and it's, it's uh, kind of what I expect, so. I agree. Good. I'm glad you agree. I like to hear that out of a guy who might be a starting pitcher on my favorite team since the day I was born. Uh, I have looked at some of your stats in the minor leagues. I got to tell you something right now. I'm I'm a guy that looks at a very particular stat when I look at a starting pitcher, and we talk about it all the time here on this show, and that's a starting pitcher's whip because I feel like when you're putting less guys on base, 
you have a greater chance to succeed. I've noticed that from single A ball or low A ball to high A ball, you improved on your whip slightly. You made a vast improvement as you went to double A ball. So as you're moving up, you're keeping less guys on base. I mean, less and less guys are reaching base for you. Is that part of your development? Is that something the White Sox as an organization talked to you about? Do they have like an organizational philosophy? Where, where does that come from, that improvement? Um, I wouldn't say it's like something that is specifically talked about in the organization. I mean, but it's it's one of those things where, you know, it's obviously, you know, hits and walks combined. And obviously you're trying to limit hits and you're trying to limit walks, especially the walks. So for me, I've always been a guy who, you know, I don't necessarily throw 98 or 99 like a Cease or a Kopech or even like Lopez, you know, a couple other guys that you named. But so for me, you know, I, if I can limit walks as much as possible, I know that that gives me my best chance. And, um, I mean, as I've moved up, I've made, you know, a lot of, a lot of changes and, um, with some analytical data and stuff. And I think that that's helped me to, you know, limit the hits. So, um, I feel like I've always kind of not walked too many guys. And that's one of the things that I pride myself on is throwing strikes. And then as I've moved up, um, you know, I think my stuff's gotten a little bit better in that than whatnot, but some of the changes that I've made, I think it's helped me to limit the hits. And then, you know, that kind of leads to a lower whip. And like you said, I mean, it's one of the most important stats. I, I, I think it's, you know, if you have a low whip, you should have a low ERA. If you have a high whip, you should have a high ERA, you know, obviously they kind of go hand in hand. Yeah, exactly. Now, the one thing I've always been curious about, and maybe you can shed some light on it, but as a Sox fan, I, you know, I'm a baseball fan first. I, I watch MLB Network. I, I read everything I can online. I try to absorb everything about the game. I love the game. And one of the things that I've noticed over the years is that you'll get pitchers that will come from one organization, go to another, and will mention that that organization has some sort of organizational philosophy that is different from where they came from. Uh, w- one of the guys that sticks out to me is Garrett Cole, pitcher for the Pirates goes over to the Astros and immediately talks about how they like certain types of pitches or certain ways that they approach batters. Do the White Sox have that kind of philosophy and does that get talked about at the minor league level? Um, I, I don't know if we necessarily like certain pitches, but um, especially in the last couple of years, um, you know, I feel like they kind of let the pitch, you know, whatever is best for that certain pitcher. And for me, um, specifically, I mean, in low in A ball, in my first year, I was throwing a lot of two seam fastballs, and you know, it's kind of like the like the Astros, for instance, they like four seam fastballs because it plays better for most of their arms, and that's kind of the way it was for me. So I was throwing two seams, not knowing that it was not as not not as good of a pitch for me as my four seam, and so um, I wouldn't say the White Sox like certain pitches better, but they help you to get to throw the right pitch for you. And um, that's definitely something that they've helped me with, um, not only with my fastball, but um, also helped me to develop the curveball that I have now and via the slider and also the changeup. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's like, okay, you have to throw this pitch, you have to throw this pitch. They just help to do what's best for you. So it could be different for every guy. You know, one of the things that we're talking about this week is that Rick Hahn, general manager of the White Sox, said in one of those like pregame things where he's talking to the press, he made an inference that there's discussions going on amongst the team, amongst the brass, that 
some of the younger guys that are down the minor league system may need to come up and just take their lumps at the major league level. Like the idea of waiting until you're a finished product may not be the best way to go. You know, if all of a sudden the White Sox are sitting there saying, first of all, you know, we want to move him to AAA or we'd like to bring him up to the to the majors. We'd like to, you know, purchase his contract, put him on the 40-man roster at the end of the year and bring him up in September. Would that be something you would be excited about or would you do you like the idea of slowly moving up and making sure that at every level you get enough innings in? I, if if he called me tomorrow and said you're going to the big leagues, I would be absolutely ecstatic. I mean, not only because it's been my lifelong dream, but also because I kind of agree with what with what they said. I think, you know, obviously everyone's developing, and there's a reason why you know a guy's in Double A or a guy's in Triple A, or you know they pick their time with certain guys or whatever else. But you know, I think that there's only you only really know how a guy's going to do in the major leagues when he gets to the major leagues, and I think you learn the most at the highest level. So, I mean, <clears throat> I think I can compete in the major leagues right now, and I mean, I I, I would be ecstatic if that was getting me the case for me. One more question before I let you go. Besides Lewis Robert, besides the two of you guys, is there somebody else on your team that right now, right off the top of your head, you'd say, that guy's going to be a White Sox one day? Like, I'm, And I'm not saying that if you don't say somebody's name, that guy's not going to be on the team. But is there somebody that you look at and you see right now in A that you're playing with, or maybe even somebody that you saw last year, you're like, you know what, that guy's got it. He's If he keeps at what he's doing, he's going to be on that roster with me in the majors. Man, there's the problem is there's a, there's a lot of guys. I like hearing that. I like hearing that. Yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of guys. I mean, I so obviously like the obvious ones are, are Dylan Cease. He's one of my best friends, and um, I mean everything. Obviously, he's a very big name, and everyone's heard a lot about him. But I would say he's even better than what people say about him. He's in AAA, obviously. Same with Zach Collins. He's a guy who. Seems to get he's gotten better as he's got the levels too. I mean, he's just better in double A than I, and now he's doing better in triple A than he was in double A. So um, he'll be the guy that obviously will be a sock. Um, I mean, the way the ball comes off Mike Rodolfo's bat is second to none. I mean, the guy, kind of like Tyra says, Luis Roberts, an incredible athlete. It's just different when you see Mike Rodolfo square up a baseball. I mean, it's it's just crushed. Well, Jimmy Lambert, I'm going to tell you something right now. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I didn't know a lot about you because, you know, when we're up here and we're sitting in the city and we're, you know, we're, we're White Sox fans and we're we're trying to keep track of all these different guys that are in the organization and, and, and we're watching a team that's going through a rebuild. You know, you don't, you don't show up and you know that you don't, you're not showing up on the MLB top 100 pipeline list. But you're the name that comes up every time I talk to somebody that is following the the White Sox farm system. And after listening to you and the confidence that you're exuding and, and your understanding of what you're doing, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing your first game up here, and I hope it's soon. Hey, I appreciate that. Let me, let me uh, back to the last question. I got one more guy for you, Luis Gonzalez. He's a, he's a guy that I expect to be in a White Sox uniform one day. But I appreciate the time, and I appreciate you having me on. And yeah, I mean, hopefully I can prove uh, those people that are telling you those things. Hopefully I can prove them to be right. Well, good. You better keep doing good now, buddy. Okay? I don't I don't want to be accused of pumping. I don't want to be accused of pumping you up too much, okay? Uh, I'll tell you what. If I have another bad start my next start, I'm going to be blaming you on you. So hopefully you better help us this year. <laughs> it's Jimmy Lambert. He's, uh, he's a prospect, man. He's somebody that I think you're going to see soon. Thanks a lot, Jimmy. Yeah, thank you. 
We have a Socks in the Basement event coming up Thursday, May 9th, weather permitting. Socks in the Basement will be recording live and in person and involving you, the folks that listen to the show, at the Red Palm, 3020 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park. Island attitude, local latitude, and an amazing, amazing menu a great selection of beers, and a patio for what I hope will be a really nice May evening. We're going to talk White Sox. St. Bernadette's going to do their Queen of Hearts drawing, which is up to about 15 or 16 grand right now. And you can get into it too while you're there. Six chances for five bucks. But also at 8 p.m. that evening, turtle races, live turtles, racing for you winners get free prizes from the palm last place free beer i'm not joking about this so you're going to get to be part of a socks in the basement live recording you may even end up on the show you're going to race turtles you might win queen of hearts socks are on the road that day it's a day game in cleveland spend your evening with us now it's all weather permitting if for some reason it rains we're going to push it back a week because the whole thing's going to be done outside I should have a better idea on the weather next week's show. But make your plans now, Thursday, May 9th, 7 to 9 p.m. for a live recording of Socks in the Basement. We will see you at the Red Palm at 3020 West 95th Street, recording a show that's found everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SocksInTheBasement.com. I have Rick Hans quotes right here from the Chicago Sun-Times the other day. The record is not what we want it to be. Some of the more veteran-type players haven't performed at the level they've historically shown. <laughs> Come on, I could have told you I could have told you some of these guys weren't going to be great. A handful of our other more veteran types haven't got off right, which has probably had a greater impact on our wins and losses than we would have originally anticipated. Listen here, Rick. If you thought this team on paper was a better than 500 team, you should be fired today. Yeah. I you should mean, be fired we, today, it, Rick. When I when I hear Rick Hans say that, to me, at least I hope that what that is, is I really hope that that's just lip service for the fans. You know, I really hope that that's just him trying to tell the fans that he and the upper management actually do still care about what's going on on the field, win-loss record-wise. I don't buy it, Chris. I don't buy it for a second. To me, it just sounds like he's saying that just because, you know, the team sucks and he's he's still trying to keep people on board with what they're doing. And and it to me, it just sounds like a you know a company line. So I wouldn't I wouldn't read too much into that. But you're right. If he actually believed that this team was gonna be you know, an above 500 team or a wild card contending team. Come on. Really? Hey, you know, it's been a rough month or so, and and we wish we would have been better, and we thought we were going to be better, and we think these guys are going to do well, and if only this guy was hitting, if only that guy was hitting, we'd be doing a lot better. But in reality, no. And, and, and you know, and, and, pl- we t- and please and please come out to the ballpark. Please come out. You know, we've got all these great promotions and bobbleheads and stuff and like dollar that. dollar hot dogs. Right, we've got and... all that stuff. Will you please come out? Please, please, please. But I do also want to say that somewhere in the organization, I think that there is intelligence. I just can't figure out where it is. I know that that sounds like I'm ripping the organization, <laughs> but there's some, there is intelligence in there. Because, look, 
we talked about, and I was thinking about this today, SoxFest time. We go to SoxFest, the opening ceremonies. They do their big promotional video. We talked about this at length on this podcast. They do the big promotional video, and they're featuring certain players in the video. James McCann's all over the video. Right, Wellington Castillo is nowhere Castillo's to be found. Not. In fact, to the point where I was wondering whether or not he was even going to make the team. Now when you see that after McCann does well and Castillo does bad, that eventually the lineup happens, it's either A, Ricky loves Wellington, and Rick Hahn does not, did not. And so when the promotional department came and said, we want to make this video, and they talked to people from the front office that are making a decision, they go, who's going to be featured prominently? And they're like, well, it's going to be more McCann and it's going to be Castillo because that's what our theory was. Okay. Right. Eventually, Ricky learned that, you know, his guys, Yomer and, and, and Wellington, are not the guys. We're talking about Renteria, just so Renteria. to clarify. Renteria. Just to clarify. Right, We're not sorry. talking we about Rick Hahn. We, we have two, two Ricks. Ricks. Okay. Yes. I always go with Ricky and Rick. Okay. Just to clarify <laughs> to the listeners. <laughs> okay. So... You have now a lineup that makes more sense based upon that promotional video, a little bit more. So is it that Ricky Renteria was against the original plans because he had guys that he was in love with, or were guys that he wasn't in love with forced upon him and Rick Hahn by the penny pushers, Well, by the people that want to justify bad moves, and... Now, luckily, since those guys have done so poorly at the beginning, we're going to get we're going to push them out. Something's going on internally well, with the Sox right now that I find fascinating. Well, OK, because it, I, I'm very curious as to what the team looks like in 30 days. A couple of thoughts End on of that. May, what does this team look like? A couple of thoughts on that. Um, we'll get this one out of the way first. Uh, the intelligence in the building of the front office of the White Sox. Um, maybe it's like some, you know, it's probably, you know, what it is. It's some coffee runner. Who's like just a fantasy baseball whiz? <laughs> that's who your intelligence is. I like is. how you believe that that's how the Sox organization works. Yeah, I'm, I, that oh, they're I know not just that. sitting around drooling on themselves, and then like some kid walks in with this with like the Starbucks order. He's like, you know what you guys should do? You guys should start James McCann in a four hole, and 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 bench Castillo. And somebody goes, hey, this is a good idea. Let's try that. Like I like I like how that's would that, how would, I, would I be would that be so far <laughs> off base? Another show is wrapped up. Another show's in the books. Another show is wrapped up. And then by the looks, it's gonna be a good one. And we'll see you next week. And the nude is Another show is wrapped up, another show is wrapped up, another show is wrapped up, and it's in the books. Another show is wrapped up, another show is wrapped up, and by the looks, it's gonna be a good one. Nudie's Basement, broadcast, Basement, the Nudie's Basement, the Broad Basement. Slancha. That was like Dropkick Murphys or something, right? I felt like it. Are you or someone you know looking to learn how to play a musical instrument this year? Then you should be checking out Westgate Music School, 6527 West 127th Street in Palos Heights. Private music lessons for all instruments, including guitar, piano, drums, voice, bass guitar, violin, banjo, ukulele, and more. Are you a vocalist? Are you ready to play a musical instrument and looking to join a group? Westgate Music School offers group classes for rock band, acapella vocal, and barbershop quartet. 
students of all ages and ability levels will have the opportunity to perform three times a year in a student concert. Gift certificates for Westgate are also available. More information, call 708-586-7002 or go to westgatemusicschool.com. Socks in the Basement. Heard everywhere a podcast can be found and always on socksinthebasement.com.